Hold your Bible with you today. Let's stand together. We're going to make a confession. Stand with me one more time. Hold your Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise today. He's worthy. Amen. Why do we do that? Well, because I am who this says I am. Amen. We, we got to get our heart and our mind to wrap around the reality that I am who God says I am. You know, maybe that's the problem for a lot of people is that they don't know who God says they are. You've listened to your mom or your dad or your boss or your spouse or your fifth grade teacher, somebody spoken to your life. Maybe that's where you've put your identity. Maybe you think you are what you do. A lot of times you ask somebody, you, you know, uh, about themselves and they start telling you what they do. That, that's not who you are. That's what you do. You put my identity in, I'm a truck driver, or I'm a farmer, or, or uh, you know, I'm an opera singer. That's, that's, that's what you do. Your identity is in the Word of God. I am who God says I am. And if you don't know who God says you are, then you don't know who you is. If you don't know who you is, you don't know how you're supposed to live. So you just live any way that you, that you can. You're barely making it through life. That's not the life Jesus came to give you. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Amen? The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. We're talking about abundant, crazy, good life. But a lot of people don't have crazy good, over-the-top life. Why? Well, they don't even know that's what God says they can have. See, not, not only I, I am who it says I am, I have what God says I have. I have access to the presence of God. I have authority in Christ. Luke 10, 39 says that I have authority over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm me. A lot of people running through life, they look scared. What's going to happen next? What's good? You know, life's been hard on me. Wrong life. Living the wrong life. You got to live the victorious life that Jesus came to connect you to. Amen. I have what it says. I can do what this Bible says I can do. Philippians 4.13, the Amplified, it says, I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. I can handle anything the enemy throws at me. How? By the word of God. I can do what this Bible says I can do. What does the Bible say you can do? You know, at the end of your journey, there's some words you're hoping to hear God say to you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Well done. You want God to look at you and say, way to go, Tom. You don't want God to look at you and say, what were you thinking? Or worse yet, what was that? No, no. Good job. You did what the Word said, and you lived according to the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You can put it this way, faith cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. The more you hear God's Word, the more your faith is developed. Why? Because faith is the Word of God applied to your life. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. The just shall live by faith. So the justified are those who know God's word and live God's word. 
What does the Bible say? What's it telling you to do in your current situation, in the challenge that you're dealing with right now? What does the Bible tell you to do? The answer to your problem, the answer, the solution that you are in desperate need of, you got it right there in your lap. God's trying to get his word alive and well in you. Isaiah said, you'll hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when you turn to the right or to the left. That's not an angel on assignment. That's the word that was planted in the fertile soil of your heart last week, suddenly making sense this week because now I know why God said that because I'm getting ready to make a decision in my life and it's going to turn to the left or the right. God's word behind me from my past is now making sense in my present, which is setting me up for victory in my future. God's word. I live by his word. David got it. He, he, you know, in the Bible, David was this guy. He just, he had an incredible revelation. Remember, he said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, your word tells me where to place my foot, where the safe step to take is. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I've got your word in my mind is, 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 is meditating your word so I won't wander off the trail. God's word is going to lead you and guide you and direct you in the way that you should go. You've got to have God's word. Somebody say amen. You got to hear God. You got to hear God. Uh, Look at this one with me. Psalms 119 verse 162. Put it on the screen. Psalms 119 verse 162. David said, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at your word. I think maybe the issue for many of us is that we don't understand the potential that's locked inside the word of God. If you knew what God's word had the potential to produce in your life, you'd get pretty excited about God's word. All of a sudden, you'd have a a, a paradigm shift. Your attitude would radically change if you knew what God's word could produce in your life. 1980, my father was sent home from the doctor to die. He had cancer. He had had chemotherapy. He had had radiation. They'd burn his heart in half. He had tubes going up his nose to feed him. He was sitting in a recliner chair, just a tiny little man. And he he had been so sick and been all the way through this battle. And, you know, get the family together and, you know, say goodbye. It's over. We've done everything that we can. He's sitting in that chair reading Proverbs 4, my son, hearkening to my words, listening to my saying, for they are life to those that find them and health to all that all their flesh. And that word became a raiment. It almost leapt off the page into his spirit. He began to quote that over and over and over and over. And he began to get stronger every day. It wasn't too many months until they pulled the tube and he could actually go to the table and eat. He, be, he continued to gather people around him and he, he, and he would quote that verse over and over. And I got to tell you something, when you find out that God's word is going to change the, the end result, that the whole world's shouting you're going to die, but God says, no, I will not die, but live and declare the goodness of my king. Man, another 20 years after they sent him home to die, when he went home to be with the Lord, had nothing to do with cancer. It, Thy word, I rejoice at your word. When, when the enemy is shouting that your marriage is going to go under, but God says, no, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place, and revelation of that comes into your life. And you begin to live God's word. Trust me, you will rejoice at his word as someone who has found great spoil. 
when your children are wandering from the Lord, when your finances are swirling around and about ready to go under, when, you're, you know, when life is rough and everything's out of control, but Psalms 119 verse 165 rises up in you and says, great peace have those that love thy law and nothing shall cause them to fall stumble or fail. Well, that word, you're going to rejoice over that word. If you knew what God was about ready to do in your life through his word, you'd turn the TV off. You'd lose the cell phone. You wouldn't mind if you missed, you know, the, the, the final showing of American Idol. You would be in the presence of God trying to find that word that's going to change everything from here on out. Hello? Read your book. How many times did God show up, say one little thing, changed everything? I mean everything. Think about Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when the odds stacked against them, according to Bible scholars, 10,000 to 1. Some say it was greater than that, but 10,000 to 1, that paints a good enough picture for me to get. 10,000 to 1. For every one of them, there was 10,000 enemy soldiers there, and they weren't there to tell them, have a nice day. Well, they were there to kill them. And the, the Bible says, and they greatly feared, and I would too. Sometimes I get nervous coming in and looking at you guys. Think about 10,000 people that actually want to take you out. Okay? And they greatly feared, and they started praying. For some people, the only prayer life they have is in the middle of their great fear experience. Hello? Isn't it interesting? The first three words of the second chapter of the book of Jonah, then Jonah prayed. It took Jonah quite a while to get to his then right? At that, what was his then? He had seaweed wrapped around his head. He'd been running from God. He was in the belly of a great fish, separated from everything he'd ever tried to get to. Then Jonah prayed. Maybe, maybe this mess that you're in is your then, and it's just time for you to pray. Who knows? By the way, we're, we're, we're not preaching today, trying to get a message to you. This is for people that come on Saturday nights, right? All week long, all, all weekend long, the services have been talking about you guys that, that, that those messages were for you, so now we're going to make one for them, all right? Here, here's the deal. God speaks in, to Jehoshaphat, and he tells him what to do. Just one word, send out the singers. That one word changes the picture of the future. It changes everything. Now we're not going to die. Now we're going to get great victory. How? 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 Well, God spoke. God's speaking into the situation. And you know what's crazy? It's like we studied last week, that it doesn't make sense according to human reasoning. God's not limited to human reasoning. There's a peace that passes all understanding. God's, God's way isn't your way. His thoughts aren't your thoughts. He's, he's got a different plan than, you, than you'll ever come up with on your own. But his word injected into your situation changes the final outcome. Oh, I rejoice at your word. I rejoice at your word as, as one who had found great spoil. You know, I hope that you don't have to be in a situation where the odds are 10,000 to one against you before you pursue God's word I hope that you don't have to be in the belly of hell with seaweed wrapped around your head before you realize God has a word that'll change my situation. I hope you don't have to be sitting in a chair with a tube up your nose feeding you before you decide, let's see what God's word says. Look at Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. We use this scripture all the time to reach the lost. It's very interesting to note that it wasn't a word to the lost. It was in a letter written to a church. God saying, I'm at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, you're going to respond. You're going to open the door. All through the Bible, when you hear the word hear, when you see, when you're reading that and it says hear the word, it automatically assumes there's going to be a, a, a action in agreement with what was spoken. It's a given. When Jesus speaks, you respond by doing what he said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We get all jacked up about the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, and I'm in love with my kid. Wait a minute. Listen to him. That's the phrase you got to get. Don't, don't just watch, but let that life, the life of Christ, change the way you live. Acts 16, 31 in the message. Put your entire trust on the master Jesus. Then you'll live life the way you're supposed to. You and your whole house too. See, when you start trusting God, you'll start doing what he said. God's at the door. You, do you understand that you're, you're not way separated from your breakthrough that you need? You're not really a long ways off from uh, being in the perfect will of God? No, you're at the threshold. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, come on, open the door. I will get involved in your situation. God wants to participate in your current life affairs but it requires you to open the door. What opens the door for God's involvement? Obedience to his word. When you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. We act as if we don't know what God said. Yes, we do. God's been speaking for a long time. Unless, unless you've been living in the back country somewhere, unless you they just ain't been born again, but for about 30 minutes, you've got to, you know, where we live in our society, we get the word, you can get it on your iPod, you can get it on the computer screen, you can get it on the TV, radio, CD, and you get it in a message. We know what God says. We've heard what we know that we're supposed to love our neighbor. That's not revelation to anybody, but yet, Many times we act as if we don't know God said that. Come on now, don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. You know what God says about forgiveness. You know that you're supposed to walk in instant forgiveness. You know the story of second mile freedom. That it, it, under Roman law, the Roman soldiers could come to any citizen and ask them to carry their pack for one mile. They had legal right. They, could, they didn't care what you were doing, how busy you were, what appointment you were going to. When they said, carry my pack for a mile, it was Roman law. You're carrying their pack for a mile. Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says that when they ask you to go one mile, go two. Why? Because you'd rather go two because you choose to instead of one because you had to. It's called second mile freedom. You understand second mile freedom. You know it's a biblical principle. You know that you're supposed to do that no matter what happens. Go the second mile. Well, when do we do that? I think maybe what we have to do is get a desire to get beyond the t-shirt and bumper sticker and get a relationship with God that actually changes the way we live our life. Hello, somebody. I think we got to get. I think we got to get just driven to know the word of God. Micah six 
verse 7 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. You've got an invitation to walk with God. Amos 3, 3. How can two walk together except they be agreed? So in order to walk with God, you've got to be in agreement with God. To be in agreement with God, don't you have to know what he said? How are you going to agree with something that you don't know nothing about? I agree. That's not agreement. That's just an excuse to not press in. Well, how about this mentality? Well, God's in control. And he's just going to handle everything. And he's going to just orchestrate all of life. And at the end of life, anything that occurred will be his fault or because of his goodness. God's so good, he's in control. If God were in control, you'd be saying amen right now. If God were in control, you'd be much nicer than you are right now. If God were in control, the whole world scene would be very much different than it is right now. What, are you saying God's not in control? How dare you? I'm saying that God is only in control of the areas of your life that you have surrendered to him. You want God's involvement? He's at the door knocking, but it requires your participation. You have to open the door. You want God to be in control of your marriage? Then you, as a husband and as a wife, are going to have to surrender and let him be in control. Well, what does that mean? That means that when God speaks to the man and he says, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and died for it, that you're going to have to do that. Gentlemen, you're going to have to die to yourself and live to love your wife. Ladies, what's it mean to you? It means that the word of God says that you're to honor your husband and to adapt yourself to him and to esteem him. If you, do, if you refuse to do that, do not tell me God's in control. God ain't in control. A rebellious spirit is in control. I told you this for the Saturday night crowd. They're having some real problems with those people. Amen. Uh, aren't you afraid you're going to offend somebody? I'm hoping to. Do something that will jar us and get us to break out of the, the static that we live in. Remember, static is not noise that prevents you from hearing. Static is the lack of movement, growth, or vitality. Static is when something is no longer making change or progress. Static is sitting still. That's what's happening in the church in America today. We, we pray a sinner's prayer. We get our salvation and our eternity is secured. And then we live just like people who are absolutely lost. The people who have no relationship with God. If I can't tell the difference between you and a reefer-smoking, fornicating unbeliever, something's wrong with the picture. Come on, guys. I'm not talking about, you know, getting yourself so squeaky clean. You've jumped through hoops and lit them on fire and did it backwards. I'm talking about you're living the word of God and you're demonstrating Satan's defeat on a daily basis. Your life humiliates hell. That when you get out of bed, hell goes, good Lord, here we go again. I'm talking about having an understanding of the word of God that you know what to do because you've got God's word. You actually know how to live the life Jesus came to give you. Hello, somebody. I'm not talking about being an average believer. I don't want to be an average, normal believer. If I want to be average and normal, I'd just get boring and depressed because that's the average, normal believer. 
been in church my whole life. And all, basically what you find is a bunch of people that are in really uptight. They're already, you know, offended when they get to church and they're even more mad when they leave. They, got, they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. They ain't got no joy, no life, no peace, but they got a family-sized Bible and, and an attitude that's bigger than that. And that, that's not what I want. I'm not going to be normal. I'm going to allow myself to get connected to the supernatural power of a living God so that I can live a lifestyle that is described by the Word of God. You know what I'm finding out? That when I do what God says, He produces what He promised every single time. In my life, it don't make any difference. The key to blessing in your life is obedience. Okay? You obey, God's Word comes alive. You do what He said, God's Word happens for you. Hello, somebody? Look, look at this, Psalms 115. Check it out, verse 12. Psalms 115, verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. The Lord has been mindful of you. He will bless you. It doesn't make any difference what you're going through, what the challenge is, what the storm looks like. God's mind has been full of you. You are on his mind, and he knows how to bless you. Remember, the word bless doesn't mean to, you know, it's not that he's going to give you a car, he's going to give you a pay increase, or that he's going to, you know, whatever you think the word blessing is. The word bless means to position to win or succeed in any given situation. So God is going to position you to win. God's plan. Have you heard Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to bless you, plans to increase you, plans for your good, for the hope and the future, it's for your good. God plans to bless you. Well, how does God bless? If God intends to bless you, how's he going to do it? Well, Angels are going to come down, and they're going to anoint me with slippery oil, and I'm going to be able to slide through tight crevices. What? How does God bless? Well, I get up in the morning, there's a pink Cadillac out there, and it's got my name on the plate. It's personalized. How does God bless? Oh, one day you wake up, and you got tickets to the opera, and you just get to go. What a blessing. (laughs) We have our famous opera star with us today, Todd, if you didn't know that. We'll talk about that later. How does God bless? What does it mean to you to be blessed? Maybe, you you know, maybe we should spend just a minute here and talk about the blessing because a lot of times it's kind of like the wind. You know, when when you're looking out the window and have you noticed that where we live every once in a while the wind blows? I think I saw a Yakima pass through town the other day. Just... And, and, and the, the trees and the, and the sagebrush and everything, oh, look at the wind. That's not the wind. That's the result of the wind, right? That's the result of the wind. A lot of times we look at the result of the blessing, and we think that's the blessing. No, that's the result of the blessing. What is the blessing? The blessing is the empowerment to win or succeed in any given situation. How does God do that? It's, it, to understand biblical principle, it, you, you have to apply Biblical law, biblical rule. And, and there is the law of first mention. To know how something operates from the Word of God, you go back to the Word of God. You don't go to what Grandma said. You go to what God said. So how does the blessing operate? Well, you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and God's got Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the garden, and it says, and God blessed them and said. The word and ties what happened after and to what happened before and, so that what happened before and after are now one act. God blessed them and said. How did God bless them? He spoke. 
when he spoke, they were positioned to do what he said. When God said, be fruitful, they couldn't be fruitful until God said, be fruitful. Now that God said it, now I can do what God said I can do. I can increase, I can multiply, I can have dominion. Why? Because God said it. So God's word is how they got blessed. How's God going to bless you? How's God going to position you to win or succeed in any given situation? With his word. When he says it, it empowers you. And when you obey it, all of a sudden it opens the door. Obedience is the birthing place of blessing. Here's the deal. We know what God said, but the enemy wants to prevent you from obeying what God said. Remember the sower sowed the seed. The seed was the word of God. Immediately Satan come to take the seed. Why, did, why does the enemy come to take the seed? So that the seed can't produce fruit in your life. Why does the enemy care about the fruit being produced in your life? Well, because it's going to position you to win or succeed. So if the enemy is going to win, he's got to separate you from the word. If he can separate you from the word, you can't win. Why? Because you ain't got the word. Well, I'm going to win. God says I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Only if you do what he said. You got to do what he said. When I do what he said, I'm positioned to win or succeed. When you do what he said, you're positioned to win or succeed. When we as a body do what he says, we are positioned to win or succeed. But if we don't do what he said, well, Matthew 7, we've studied this. Matthew 7 says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, he's wise. Anyone who hears these words and doesn't do them, he's a fool. So you can live in wisdom, or you can live like a fool. That's a choice you get to make. But you are foolish if you think, because you've heard only, that that's going to position you to win or succeed. No, you got to do what he said. If you don't do what he said, you're foolish. Here's the crazy thing, is we know so much about what he said. We're educated, we're informed, we're empowered with great understanding and knowledge, but we've got to activate the wisdom to actually do what he said, if you'll do, if you'll live the word, oh, all of a sudden, see, doesn't it start to make sense now why David said, I rejoice at your word. I rejoice at your word as if I was one who found great spoil. Why? Because God's word is the thing that's going to empower you to make it through your current situation. God's at the door. He's knocking. If you hear his voice, you're going to respond. That's going to open the door. All of a sudden, God's participation is going to be unleashed on your current situation. Here, It's release the hounds, baby. Here comes God, and he's coming to, to demonstrate his power and his might in your life. And it's not going to probably make any sense to you at all. When God speaks and says, send out the singer, that doesn't make any sense in a warfare situation. But still, what God said is what's going to position them to win. So when you do what he said, you're going to be positioned to win. You're going to be blessed because of his word. Somebody say amen. You got to get excited about God's word. You got to open your heart to God's word. God's word will break the static in your life. It'll cause you to begin to move again, to grow again, stretch again, to climb again. Why? Because that's what God's word's going to do to you. It's going to mess you up from the inside out. Amen? I said God's word is an incredible, awesome opportunity to obey. 
It's an incredible, awesome opportunity to just do what his word says to do. Well, the whole world's going to call me crazy. I guess you're going to have to get over that fear of looking stupid. Because when you do what God tells you to do, it don't always make sense. And it's very seldom is it the popular thing to do. And, and, not, and you know, well, we, we voted on it. You can't vote. you got to obey. You just got to do what he said. Just going to have to do it. I guess it's finally come down to this. We're going to have to trust God. Somebody say amen. Here, open your Bible. Go to Psalms 119. I'm just going to read a few highlighted scriptures. You know, we, we had a bunch of them. You can take that down. I'm going to go to Psalms 119 and just flop around for a minute just to make a point. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Verse 5 says, Oh, that my ways were directed and established to, assert, to observe your statutes, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live, and I will observe your word, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Verse 56, this I have had as a gift of your grace and as my reward that I have kept your precepts, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now your word do I keep, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Verse 88, according to your steadfast love, give life to me, then I will keep the testimony of your mouth, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Verse 100, I understand more than the aged because I keep your precepts hearing receiving loving and obeying them verse 101 I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word hearing receiving loving and obeying it verse 106 I have sworn an oath and have confirmed it that I will keep your righteous ordinance hearing receiving loving and obeying them verse 129 your testimonies are wonderful far exceeding anything conceived by man Therefore, my penitent self keeps them hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Verse 136, streams of water run down my eyes because of men that do not keep your law. They hear it not, nor receive it, love it, or obey it. Verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I will hear, receive, love, and obey it. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who found great spoil. Verse one sixty-seven. Your testimonies have I kept, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Do you see the string that ties it together? I need to hear it, receive it, love it, and obey it. In the next couple of minutes, let's just talk about it. God's word breaking the static, causing growth, changing everything. One word, changing everything. How does that occur? Well, one, I got to hear it. I've got to hear God. Put yourself in the position every day to hear from God. I don't know what you need to hear from God. Maybe you need angels to do the river dance in your driveway. If that's what it is, call us up. I'll get Tony and Will and, and Keith to come over and they'll dance for you. If you need, if you need your name and glow paint on the wall, let us know. Todd will slip in in the dark of night and paint your name. What do you need to hear God? Get 
the iPod, get the Bible, make the download, do whatever you got to do. If you don't have time to read the Word of God, hire someone to read it to you. But you got to have the Word of God. I don't know how crazy it is. As people are dealing with life, life is nuts, friends. It's crazy. People come all the time. We don't know what to do. Well, what does the Bible say? Shoot, they, almost, they almost act like, oh, my God, Lord, I never even stopped to think of that. That's the enemy's intention, keep you so busy, so, so you, you know, uh, dizzy because of the, the, the rotation of your, of, your, of your life that you, you don't think to get the word. What does the Bible say? What does God's word say? Position yourself to hear God. Here's a novel idea. Prayer. Have you considered prayer? You mean like before a meal? <laughs> no, I mean like before your day? Just let me submit this thought. Any area of your life that you jump into without prayer is a statement you've made to God, don't need you right now. I got this. I got this. You don't know how many of my great friends, you know, and, and, and please, I mean, just hear my heart, would you? you? You know what? I love you. I love my friends. You don't know how many of my great friends in ministry attempt ministry without prayer. Because, well, we do it all the time. This is what we do. We, we, we can do church in our sleep. We've done, you know, hey, at age of seven, I started traveling in full-time ministry with my father. Well, at this point, it's not like I need an itinerary to figure out how to make it through a service. I got it. So it's very easy to just do it. But wait a minute. Don't we kind of need God's involvement? See, just because you can do it in your sleep don't mean you should. Oh, this marriage thing, I got it. We just do what we always do. Your wife is checking out your life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth a lot dead. <laughs> how, how about... How about how about we press in, get really fanatical, and we just talk to God? Okay, here we go today, Lord. Direct my steps. How, how freaky would it be if God heard you say, okay, I'm going to do what I always do. Stop me if you need me to. Get, invo get, get involved in my decisions today, Lord. How about positioning yourself to hear God, how about acting like you want to hear God? I had somebody tell me one time that people who hear from God make them nervous. I quickly responded, people who don't make me more nervous. I don't want to hang with people who don't hear God. I, I want to hear from God. I got to hear it. I got to receive it. 
This message isn't for people on Saturday night. It's for us. Receive it. That's mine. Every time I hear a promise of God, that's mine. That's mine. I've been in, been in those meetings where the, the, the spirit of the prophet was moving and he was calling people out and prophesying over. And, and, and he didn't have to call me out. If, if I needed that word of God, if it, was, if it was the word of God, I could simply say, that's mine. Because I have what this says I have. All the promises, all, this Bible says all the promises of him are, in, or all the promises of God are in him are yes and amen. You know what that means? God's already said yes to you regarding anything he said in here. His word is mine. Receive it. Receive it. You know, maybe you got to get your receiver turned on. You know, you're hearing, not you're listening. Now you got to hear it at a deeper level and receive it. Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified says, the level of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear determines the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. That's why two people can sit in the same service, hear the same message and get totally different results. Because one will give thought and study to it. The other one, you know what's gonna happen today is we're here in this room and probably at the end of today, we will have had 550, 600 people go through the services over the weekend. By 5 o'clock this afternoon, many of us, most of us, will not have one thing that we've latched onto out of this message. And we'll just be on with the weekend looking for potato salad and fried chicken. Right? Next week, we'll have the challenges that we had this week and we'll have the failures at the end of next week that we had at the end of this week. But God's word came to position us to win and succeed. Well, why didn't it do it? Because we didn't give any thought or study to it. We heard it, but we didn't receive it. So not only do I need to hear it, I gotta receive it. I gotta receive it. I gotta receive it. I've got to receive it. If you've got the same challenges that you had last month, Can I just suggest to you that maybe it's time to start receiving the word of God? James says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which has the power to save your soul. The Bible, and when it uses the word soul, that's the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. God's word has the ability, the power to produce results in the way that you think. God's word can change the way you think which will change the way you feel, which will change the choices you make, which will change the actions that you perform, which will change the habits that you create, which will change the character that you possess, which will change the end result that you experience. Receive God's word. Do you realize my job? You, you, you got to understand something. I, I just have no fear of man at all. Now, I tell you, anything I feel God said to say, I'm going to say it. Well, what if they never come back? then I better say it loud. I might even repeat it a couple times in one service. Why? Well, because my job, according to Hebrews 13, is to watch over your soul. Uh, My job is to guard your soul. Your soul, that's the way you think. My job is to challenge you in the way that you think. But you realize that when I do what God said, I'm already positioned to win and succeed. So I have to do what God tells me to do. And I'm here today telling you that God told me to tell you, receive his word. Receive it. I hear it. I receive it. How about this? I love it. I love God's word. You know what we can tell? We can, we can spend one 
afternoon with you and we can find out the things that you love. You don't have to tell us. We can just watch by the way you live. If you love fishing, you know what you got? You got a fishing boat with a trailer and a fishing motor. You got the rod, you got the reel, you got the lure, you got the bait, you got the truck, and you got the hitch. You got everything you need to go after the passion of your life. If you're into bowling, I love bowling. Well, you got a double ball bag. You might even have a three ball bag with wheels. You've got the towel, then it's embroidered with your initial. You got the shoes. You got the little thing that holds your hand just like that so Pepsi's fit right in there. You got everything you need. Do you realize that when you fall in love for one thing, it'll cause you to drop another thing that yesterday you thought you'd never live without? Shelby and I first met. We, we met at a Bible study at my father's house. I asked her if I could drive her home. She ditched her parents, and she said yes. She let me drive her home. And we're dri- on the drive home, obviously, we talked. Well, I talked, and she just sat there and smiled a lot. And on the way home, I asked her if, if I could have the honor of taking her out on a date. She said no. I said get out of the car. <laughs> well, we were at her house. She might as well get out. She got out, she went in the house, I turned around, I drove back three miles down the road, got to my mom and dad's house, walked in the house, the telephone rang, my mom said, it's for you. I took the phone, it was Shelby on the phone, she said, okay, I can go out now. When we went on our date, I asked, what was that about? Well, she had to go home and break up with her boyfriend first. Before I could say yes to you, I had to break up with my boyfriend. I thought, well... Isn't that interesting? Yesterday, what you thought you couldn't live without, today means nothing. Because the thing, (laughs) yeah. Hello. When you love God's word, when you love God's word, the junk that prevented you yesterday will no longer matter. You need to get passionate for the word of God. When you love something, you invest in it. How much time are you investing in the word of God? I got to tell you that there are some things in my life that I really enjoy doing, but I no longer do those things. Why? Because God's word tells me to live a different way. Hello? I love God's word. I love God's word. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have those that love thy law. Nothing can cause you to fail, stumble, fall. Nothing. There ain't nothing the enemy can throw your way that can beat you if you've got God's word. And trust me, when you know you've got God's word, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Got to have a love for God's word. Got to get passionate. You know, well, I really struggle. I read the Bible. I fall asleep. Keep going at it. Make an investment. Trust me, it won't be long until something happens on the inside of you. And you go, oh, my God, thank you for that word. Thank you for that word. Your kids are messed up and they seem to be making all the wrong choices. And you read Psalm, or Isaiah 54 about verse 12. It says, great, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Thank you for the word of God. I remember when our oldest son decided that he was going to live life his way. He made a very mature statement. This is my life. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be bragging. You're right, that's yours. 
You got God life, you got your life. You sure you want your life? Yes, it's my life. So he decided to live life his way. What a mess. Now I can remember thinking, dear God, Shelby and I spent a couple of days just messed up, and then we remembered what he said. Not, not what Evan said, what God said. Evan's now going to graduate at the end of next month from Master's Commission, on fire from God. Still a little bit dizzy, but he's on fire for God. <laughs> Why? Because God's word will not return into him void without accomplishing what he sent it forth to accomplish. God's word. See, sometimes we act as if obedience is going to save us from punishment. No, obedience is going to position you for blessing. It's not about the punishment. It's about the positioning. I love God's word because God's word says things I would never think of. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I'll answer you. Show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Amplified Bible says, I'll show you fenced in things, hidden things, secret things, things you couldn't possibly know. There's a bunch of stuff you don't know God wants to reveal to you. How's he going to do it? Through his word. Well, I wish he'd just come down and talk to me. If you won't live by the, by the, by the word, he can manifest in your bedroom. It's not going to change anything. You got his word. I hear it. I receive it. I love it. I obey it. I obey it. I obey it. Deuteronomy over and over again. Hear and obey. Hear and do. Hear and do. I obey so it goes well with me. How are things going? Is it well? Do you obey the word of God? Do you do what God says to do? Don't be crazy and think that you're going to get the production of the promise of God without performing God's will. According to the Bible, you're not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That God wants to change the way you think. He's going to transform you by changing the way you think so that you can understand the will of God, that his will for your life is good and perfect. But you can't even understand God's will if you don't understand God's word. You've got to have God's word. You've got to hear it. You've got to receive it. You've got to love it. And you've got to obey it. doesn't make any difference what anybody else is saying to you. What is God saying? Get people in your world that will get in agreement with you and who will hang with you and who will lock shields with you in agreement with God's word. When you do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. It'll cause you to grow. It'll cause you to change. It'll cause you to lift up. Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for thy light has come. Amplified Bible says, arise from the state of depression which circumstances has kept you. Rise to a new life, shine. The word arise means to change your posture, change your position. How do you do that? By hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying the Word of God. When you hear God, it's going to change the way you see everything else. Get the Word. Amen? Close your book, bow your head, let me pray for you. Thank you, Father. We magnify you.